This is Black and Gold Rush, the podcast where we talk about all angles of New Orleans Saints football. I'm your host, Rachel Jones, and I've been a Saints fan all my life, so I know just how much this team means to our city, both as a former reporter and from my season ticket in Section 257. Whether it's breaking down game tape or telling an inspiring off-the-field story, I'm here for it because the Saints bring us together. Let's get going. Hello, Houdat Nation, and welcome back to Black and Gold Rush. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, the Bucks are hosting the Chiefs in Tampa Bay in what will be Tom Brady's 10th Super Bowl appearance. Can you sense my enthusiasm? Or maybe lack thereof? We have to hand it to Tom. It's remarkable any way you slice it. Now, I'll be watching today because I just love the game of football, and frankly, I can't get enough of it. But whether or not you'll be watching too, I think we Saints fans can at least all bond over the following wonderful memory. Eleven years ago today was a pinnacle in Saints football history. On February 7th, 2010, Sean Payton and Drew Brees led the team to its first and so far the only Vince Lombardi trophy in team history. Pierre Thomas scored their first touchdown. And let's not forget the gutsy call of all gutsy calls. Ambush. It needs no explanation to Saints fans. Trailing 10-6, Thomas Morstead executed the surprise onside kick to start the second half, and Chris Reese recovered. My parents, my sister, and I were there in Miami, and once Tracy Porter's pick six all but secured the the 31-17 victory over the Colts, I remember hugging my dad so tightly and feeling pure joy, remembering all the times I'd cried after pathetic Saints losses, like that 38-0 shutout to San Francisco on my 13th birthday in 02 that will forever be etched in my brain. But rarely had my dad and I cried together after monumental wins like this. So there we were in the stadium, tears streaming down our faces, soaking it all in. Like Jim Henderson's legendary radio call after the NFC Championship two weeks before. It felt like pigs had flown, or hell had frozen over. It was incredible. Super Bowl 44 MVP Drew Brees knew the gravity of what they'd accomplished, saying, quote, four years ago, whoever thought this would be happening when 85% of the city was underwater? We just all looked at one another and said, we are going to rebuild together. We are going to lean on each other. This is the culmination in all that belief. It was. And as Drew Brees contemplates his future, it's safe to say he'll always be a hero in New Orleans. The Saints gave him a chance when no one else did 15 years ago. And together with Sean Payton, he's given a city life. No one knows the impact of the Peyton Breeze legacy quite like my special guest today, Jeff Duncan. His newest book is called Peyton and Breeze, The Men Who Built the Greatest Offense in NFL History. Now a columnist for The Athletic, 
Jeff was a member of the Times-Picayune's team that won two Pulitzer Prizes for its Hurricane Katrina coverage. He's a four-time LSWA columnist of the year and a four-time winner of their Story of the Year award. Almost no one knows the Saints like Jeff Duncan. So I hope you enjoy our great in-depth interview as we celebrate Super Bowl Sunday, Saints style. Well, Jeff, I can think of no one better to have on the podcast as we come up on the 11th anniversary of the Saints Super Bowl title. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Rachel. I'm really honored to be one of your first guests. This is exciting. Well, thank you again. So we first got to work together, you and I, during way back during my internship at the Times-Picayune, right after that Super Bowl season in the summer of 2010. And I had been reading your work for years. So what some people might not know is you've covered the Saints longer than any journalist in the nation. So let's start there. You're from Kentucky. When did you get to New Orleans exactly? And what's made you want to call it home since? Well, I've had a connection to Louisiana that goes back. My first job out of out of college was up in Monroe, Louisiana. So I covered a lot of events in New Orleans and was familiar with the Times-Picayune. Of course, that was the gold standard for newspaper work in our industry in the state of Louisiana. So I knew, had colleagues and friends at the Times Pick and would come to New Orleans to cover the the high school state championships and the, the Bayou Classic. So I was familiar with New Orleans and then kind of left Monroe for a few years and on my journalism journey and through Florida and then into Nashville and then got reconnected and hired to cover LSU in 1999. Uh, for the Times Picayune. So I actually lived in Baton Rouge for about six months. Jerry DiNardo's last season as the head coach there, uh, the football team, and then moved on to the Saints beat right at the start of the 2000 when they hired Jim Hazlitt and Randy Mueller and kind of went to a new regime and just kind of been involved as either a uh, beat reporter at first. I was just the reporter at the time. And then, uh, had moved into a columnist role later on at the Picayune and covered the team in that capacity. So on a daily basis, I've covered the team longer uh, than anyone. We have I have some colleagues here in New Orleans, Ed Daniels and uh, Ken Trahan, who's the director of the Saints Hall of Fame. Both of them have covered the team certainly longer than I have. But as far as being out there daily, it's um, I guess I'm the old geezer now, Rachel. I'm the, the senior member of the beat. <laughs> I don't know about calling you an old geezer, Jeff, but <laughs> you are, though, the author of three books. So let's talk about your newest book that's t- that really takes us behind the scenes of the Sean Payton and Drew Brees offense, their relationship, how it came together from the beginning, and how they transformed the Saints franchise over the past 15 years. Jeff, you can tell by reading it just how well you know this team. How would you describe your experience writing this book? Well, it was a it was a great experience for me. You know, you mentioned that I had written two books before, Tales from the Saints Sideline and From uh, Bags to Riches. Both of those were different kinds of projects. Uh, this one was something I was really committed to do. My agent, actually my literary agent, Doug Grad uh, in New York, called me and 
and pitched the idea to me. Actually, he said, I think this would be a great book. And maybe I was a little sometimes, as you know, Rachel, sometimes when you're when you're covered something for a while, you, you need an outside perspective. And I was kind of the old can't see the forest for the trees. You know, my perspective is warped. And I needed someone like him to say, this is a great book. No one's really written this book. And uh, it clicked to me immediately. And I, the first thing I thought was the only way this is going to work is if Drew and Sean participate. I need them to be willing, uh, cooperative, uh, uh, you know, sources in this book. And while I can't do the book with them, uh, I need them to kind of go along with it and endorse it. And so I met with both of them to tell them about the idea. And both of them were extremely excited about it. And uh, obviously I think my long relationship with both of them covering them uh, helped in that area because they trusted me to do this book. Both of them had written books themselves after the Saints won the Super Bowl in 2009. So they had books about their their, uh, journeys to the NFL, journeys to the mountaintop and winning the Super Bowl. So I wanted to concentrate this project on their relationship and also their collaboration in the Saints offense, which has, you know, set all kinds of historical records in the NFL and the Saints record books and try to really pull back the curtain on what makes that offense click and uh, why has it been so successful for such a long period of time, a decade and a half, ranking among the top offenses in the NFL so uh, to do that, I needed them to give me access, and uh, I got it. I got a lot of access to them, to the other coaches on the staff. Everyone seemed very, very excited about the project, and so that was really helpful, uh, you know, in my mission here to be able to explain the, you know, the complicated nature and and the amount of work that goes into a given game plan during the week. I really, I'm not, you know, as a writer, I don't spend a lot of time delving into X's and O's, I, I guess because I find most fans are just kind of general run-of-the-mill fans. They're not really the hardcore football fans. But when I got into this project, I found myself kind of captivated by that aspect of the of the project and, and, and what goes into a game plan. So I think it's a big reason why they're successful is the amount of work they put in. So I wanted to uh, – I wanted to show how the sausage was made for the New Orleans Saints. And I really believe that Sean Payton and Drew Brees, their their work ethic, their attention to detail, all those things are principles that even if you're not a football fan, you read this book, you can get something out of it. Uh, you know, best practices, life practices about how to be successful in life. Because if you read some of these chapters on what they do to prepare for a game, I think it'll be pretty eye opening for you. Absolutely. I mean, I I got the book for Christmas. I told you before, my mom, I didn't even have to ask for it. My mom knew that it would be a per- the perfect gift for me as a lifelong Saints fan. And I've, I've read both of your books before. You, um, She gave me uh, Tales from the Saints Sideline, uh, your very first book before I had even met you. And I remember reading about the early days of the, of the Saints. And, but I mean, seriously, just diving in to the, to the, nitty gritty of the book. It's hard to believe that no one would have thought to write about the legacy of the, of Sean Payton and Drew Brees before, before you, I mean, just how much they have transformed this, this franchise, but we go into 
One of my favorite parts was about Bill Parcell's influence on Sean Payton's coaching. He told Sean to find coaches and players who loved the game as much as he did. And that story about Drew practicing alone during the 2006 postseason bye week shows just how much these two are football soulmates. I mean, Jeff, just give us some insight into how incredible this pairing has been. We've seen it come together on game days, but like you said, it's all about the preparation. Well, I think an important thing to note is that Sean Payton and Drew Brees did not really know each other before they joined forces in New Orleans in 2006. So they really were getting to know each other uh, that first year. And I think that moment when Sean Payton stumbled upon Drew out on the practice field during a bye week, I think uh, really resonated with Payton, who is a total football nerd, passionate gym rat, if you will, about football. And he found, like you said, a soulmate that was Mm -hmm. equally passionate about it. And that, uh, I think, displayed to him the commitment drive and competitive nature that his quarterback had and he realized he had the right guy you know Sean Sean compares the quarterback to a uh, pilot in a, in a in a plane he says you know everyone in the organization gets on the plane but but the quarterback's flying the plane and we're all just kind of along for the ride and he either lands the plane safely or he flies in the side of a mountain I mean that's how important he feels the quarterback position is he played quarterback of course and I think that's also what's made this a unique uh, collaboration is the fact that Sean played the position. He views the game through a quarterback's eyes. He understands the challenges that the quarterback faces. Uh, the fact that you have this elite quarterback paired with a guy that played the position, we haven't seen that really in NFL history at that level. And that's another thing that's made this such a unique and I think very successful combination is they both see the game the same way. That's such a great point. And, you know, it's amazing when I see people who may have only been Saints fans since the Peyton Breeze era began wonder what it's going to be like afterward. And I'm like, well, you do know there were about 40 years of Saints history before that. <laughs> so there will be a time afterward, too. So you uh, you mentioned that... Um, you, you really show how the sausage was made, you know, uh, with Sean Payton and Drew Brees and the offense, you know, you, you dive into the, to the, some of the X's and O's and while also showing life lessons about hard work and preparation to people who might not be the diehard football fan, for example, you know, talk about how the book really appeals to, to a variety of audiences and the response that you've gotten since it came out. Well, both guys, I think, would be successful in whatever endeavor they chose. In other words, if Drew Brees was was a banker, I think the bank would be a Fortune 500 company. Same for Sean Payton. These are just successful people in general. Their their work ethic, attention to detail, things we've talked about mm-hmm. would apply in any line of work or business uh, the, the principles that they use to be successful in football would apply in any field. And they're both very smart, uh, well-rounded people. 
while they love football and they're passionate about that you can talk to them about other things. So I think there's a perspective that they bring to the job. They're constantly trying to learn and improve and better themselves, which I think I think is always vital in whatever walk of life you're in. And I think they're both excellent communicators, and that comes across as well in the book. You know, I asked both of them multiple times. I mean, it can't all be this rosy picture here. I mean, you've been together 15 years. It can't all be kumbaya. There had to be times where you all butted heads, and they insisted, and even sources around them that know them very well insisted they've never really had a, a falling out. I mean, they might disagree on play calls or something about practice, but they communicate so well, it never really rose above maybe a, dis- a disagreement. It never really got very far because they hashed it out because they both get things out on the table. And that's a Parcells uh, practice as well. He, he wants everything on the table. He's not afraid of conflict. And so because I think both these guys are such great communicators, uh, it's, a, it's allowed them to have this really uh, successful relationship over the years where we've seen in other places I can think of, you know, I covered Mike McCarthy when he was the offensive coordinator of the Saints under Jim Hazlitt. Mike McCarthy is an outstanding coach. I mean, he's one of the best coaches I've ever covered. But he and Aaron Rodgers, you know, went south on them and they ended up having to move on. And the same thing happened with Andy Reid in Philadelphia. As great a coach as Andy Reid is, he had to move on. And, and go to Kansas City. But look what he's doing there. <laughs> right. And look at New Orleans. So you still have the same combination together. Uh, and it's it's endured all this time without uh, breaking up. And I think that, uh, you know, is just a unique situation here that people should never take for granted because we'll never see a quarterback and head coach together for 15 years like this again. I mean, it's truly unbelievable and we will forever be grateful for it. And um, you bring up the point about communication. I think that's key in any relationship. And we will write that's such a valuable point that you touch on throughout the throughout the book, hearing from the, the coaches around them and seeing just how they're able to hash out their differences, but how 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 similar their 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 approaches to the game are and how that's just been enduring, you know, throughout the 15 years. So that brings me to the Peyton Breeze legacy, which appropriately is the final chapter title of your book. Saints fans remember in December of 2019 when Breeze was left off the NFL's 100 all-time team. And despite his countless accolades, he's missed out on the league MVP award in his career. You quoted Taysom Hill in that chapter saying, as crazy as it sounds, I think Drew is one of the most underrated quarterbacks ever. I don't think he gets as much credit as he deserves. Is that part of his legacy in your mind? Yeah, I think so. I, I think he's going to go down in history as one of the most underrated players. I still think he's underrated. Um, and, and, you know, a couple of people uh, I talked to about that. Why? Why? How could a guy be the leading passer in NFL history and still not be truly appreciated for his greatness? And I think it goes back to what Tom House, his pitching coach, or his throwing coach, I should say, uh, he had a quote about Drew Brees saying that he's a superstar without superpowers. And I think that's a really accurate description of the situation. Uh, I, I always call Drew the Greg Maddox of quarterbacks. I mean, he 
He's this. He's not an overpowering, freakish athlete. Uh, he, don't get me wrong; he's an incredible athlete, but he's not uh, overpowering athletically. And because of that, I think people underestimate him. Um, you know, Zach Streif talked at length about how in this social media age we're in, how viral videos and memes and gifts uh, on social media of great plays, those things tend to define players and their greatness. And that's not what Drew Brees is about. He's not Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes throwing across his body 50 yards downfield with the wow play. He doesn't wow you. What he does, as Zach said, is he throws the ball in a one-foot window mm-hmm. over and over and over every time where you know Patrick Mahomes or uh, Aaron Rodgers might make that pass uh, 20 two out of 25 times, Drew Brees makes it 25 out of 25 times. And that's what is extraordinary about him. But it's not the kind of stuff that goes viral. You know, that that perfect pass to Alvin Kamara in the flat that's just ahead of the linebacker trailing and hits him in stride so he can keep running and not slow down. Every coach and player understands how important that is, but it doesn't come across uh, to the unsophisticated fan or follower. And I think that is why he's been unappreciated. His game requires a nuance and a sophistication to appreciate. Um, it's like a different kind of art. And and I think that uh, as it goes on, the, his, the appreciation for his game will, will grow. But right now, um, I think he's grossly underrated. That That's an incredible point. I mean, that, that quote... Uh, He's a superstar without superpowers. I mean, it, but the job of a quarterback is to put the ball where you need to put it. You know, accuracy is the job of a quarterback. So I guess that, that's why some Saints fans, many Saints fans are frustrated that he doesn't get the, the recognition that they feel he deserves. Well, I think ultimately, you know, I wrote about this the past week or two. Ultimately, it comes down to championships. and that's unfortunately where he's fallen short uh, you know the the guy that just beat yeah. him on Sunday exactly right Tom the Brady. last game is not going to be the way that right does not is not the the ending that anyone wanted for him that's for sure if this right. is the end uh, you know that's how we judge quarterbacks and head coaches championships and unfortunately they had some some bad luck early on you know the 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 play I've, I've, I wrote about this the 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 2017 game against Minnesota should have been one of the great wins in Saints history that comeback on the road. Minnesota had the number one defense in the league, and the Saints scored, I think, on four their four final possessions. They figured it out. They started executing, and Drew Brees was masterful. He had a two-minute drive to give them the lead with, what, 20-something seconds left? I mean, that's good enough to win the game. Yes. Uh, and, and And the defense gives up a touchdown. I mean, that has nothing to do with – Drew Brees no. and his greatness. Uh, that game should have been a, a one of the hallmark games of his career, part of his legacy. And, uh, you know, it didn't happen. And then the next year, of course, the NOLA no call, those those right. things are out of his hands. He drove them to to the, the field goal that gave them the lead. Yeah. Just couldn't get off the field and, and stop. That, unfortunately, was a recurring theme throughout his tenure, the great comeback in San Francisco. Yes. And the Ugh, can't get off painful. the field. So those those things, I think, ultimately are what, what have prevented him from being mentioned with the all-time greats. 
because of the defense. The lack of championships. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So, Jeff, we're going to see where this offseason takes us. Surely there will be some more moving parts. But does the championship window remain open for Sean Payton and the Saints, even once Drew Brees does retire? Well, let me make it clear. I mean, Drew Brees is going to retire. Yes, yes. He's going to retire this year. Yes. Uh, There's no no doubt about that. It's just a matter of when when the announcement comes. It's probably going to be a few more weeks. But that will happen. And I think uh, I think it's going to be difficult initially. I think what Saints fans are looking at is a competitive team that can that can still be a playoff team, could maybe uh, become a, a wild card team if things go right. I would look at something similar to what happened with the Patriots this past year, where they took a step back, kind of had a transition year after Tom Brady left. But I think the Saints roster is much better, much more talented, much more complete than that Patriots team. So I think they will be more competitive and able to challenge for a playoff berth. But I don't think they can win a championship. I don't see them in this iteration challenging for a Super Bowl until they figure out if they have a franchise quarterback in the building. And I know Sean Payton, I asked him about it on Thursday. He said he's very confident in both Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, but that's still a major question mark. Neither one of them has proven that they can take a team to the Super Bowl. That's that's a big leap. And so until they can prove that, I think the, the jury's out on whether this team can win another Super Bowl with that guy at quarterback. And, and I think this team could get back very quickly to being a championship team if they can identify someone or improve that person uh, but the quarterback position is it's a quarterback driven league. Just look at who's left in the in the Super Bowl run here. Yes, yes. They have great quarterbacks and uh the Saints know that. And so that until they find the answer there, I think the jury's out. I completely agree. So so Sean Payton seems really really high on Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill as the quarterbacks, you know, he says he really likes the Saints quarterback room. Taysom Hill, we saw they were three and one with him at quarterback this season. But the fumbles to me are the biggest are one of the biggest issues with him. If I, I'm curious, your take on on Taysom Hill. Well, I'm not that worried about it because it never really an issue before. I mean, it wasn't an issue in any of the seasons before this year was an issue for him at Brigham Young. So mm-hmm. I just kind of see that as a, like an outlier. Uh, and, and there is a difference between him dropping back to pass and getting blindsided on a blitz and the ball getting knocked out yeah. and him fumbling as a ball carrier. Sure. Uh, you sure. Know, so some of those fumbles uh, really go to the offensive line because they're not protecting him. No quarterback's going to hold on to the ball in that situation when he gets hit from behind. So uh, I, I think, you know, there's a little bit of a outlier feeling to me yeah. uh, going forward. Well, again, this the offseason is just getting started for the, for the Saints. We're going to see the storylines that unfold. But Jeff, uh, it's been so awesome to have you here. We should mention that uh, you are now a columnist at The Athletic. And uh, where can our listeners connect more with you? 
Well, they can certainly follow my work at The Athletic. We have a lot of great deals going on right now to subscribe. It's a subscription-based site, uh, but it's very affordable, uh, $5 a month, and you get uh, coverage from all over the world. I mean, we just were on a meeting yesterday where we're going to be expanding into Scandinavia and Africa and already in Europe. So you can kind of uh, customize your coverage, get Saints coverage and LSU coverage. And if you're a fan of a European soccer league team, you can get that as well. It's an amazing place to work, amazing talent. Uh, and then also you can follow me on all my social media platforms at Jeff Duncan underscore on Twitter. And I have a Facebook page. I have a Facebook page devoted to the Peyton and Breeze book. If you want to order a book there and get a personalized signed copy, we can get you one out of I've recruited my sister. We had so many orders, Rachel. I had to I had to recruit my sister in from Dallas to help me and do all the administrative work because we had so many orders. I couldn't keep up with it all and then continue to uh, uh, cover the Saints uh, on their Super Bowl run. So uh, thank goodness my sister was a willing participant there because uh, I would have been overwhelmed with, with the amount of orders we had. That wow! I mean, that's amazing. I, I'm so happy to hear that you're having such success with the book. So, again, remind people what what's the best way to and and we'll we'll provide a link to uh, order books in the in the uh, show notes. But what's the best way to order copies if they don't have them already? I would say to go to the Peyton and Breeze Facebook page, the Facebook book page, Facebook page okay. or just come to my social media platform and send me a message. And we awesome. can personalize copies and they can pay for them through Venmo or PayPal that way. Uh, that way you get one personalized and signed author's copies. Or if you're not and you just want to get a copy of the book right away, uh, you know, you can go to Amazon uh, or any of your local booksellers should have them uh, on the shelves as well. So it's pretty easy to find. It's, you know, it should be all over the country. I had a, a reader just the other day reach out and say they were in uh, Toronto and got a copy at their bookstore up in Toronto. So it's, it's all over the place. Awesome. Wow. Saints fans all over the world. That, that is what we love to hear. Well, Jeff, Jeff Duncan, you have covered the Saints for quite a while. We are so happy to have you and congratulations on the book. We hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to Black and Gold Rush. Make sure to subscribe on the podcast app of your choice and leave a rating and review. Also, I'd love to connect more. Come say hey on Twitter or Instagram at RachelW504 and let me know what you thought of this episode. For show notes and more, head over to my website at rachelwjones.me. Until next time, oodah!